Hello, wine world. Thaddeus Spugs with the Minority Wine Report and the podcast, Wine in Black and White. I have a very special guest with me today. We're at Texam in Dallas, Texas. This is my first one and hopefully many, many more to go, but you got to put in a lot of work if you want to come to this conference. And, I, and I'm talking to probably Miss Argentina. And I'm gonna let her introduce herself and tell you a little bit about, she's gonna tell you a little bit about our background and then we'll get into the family business. Hi, uh, Tadeus, how do yeah, I say th- your name? Tadeus, that's Tadeus? Good. Yeah, that's okay, the Spanish way, yes. Uh-huh. I-, I just wanna clarify, it was not a beauty queen. It's a Miss Argentina <laughs> of wine. <laughs> well, that's what I meant, so we're all good. <laughs> but, you, but you can qualify for the other oh, also. Oh God, no, no, no. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, I'm from Argentina and I'm here um, at Song, which is this amazing event where somebody is from all over the United States come and we just did a tasting of the Nicolás Catina Zapata Cabernet Malbec. We did eight vintages uh, from uh, 1999, so 1999 to 2018. Okay, so introduce yourself yes. and your role in the winery. Okay, so I am the fourth generation of my family. I'm Laura Catena, and I have been working with my father for about the last 25 years. My family was started by an Italian immigrant, Nicola Catena. His first vineyard was planted in 1902. He planted Malbec, Mm -hmm. and then my grandfather continued the winery, and then my father. And my father had this great inspiration when he was in uh, the Napa Valley in the early 80s where he said, hey, if the Californians can compete with the French and try to beat them at their own game, you know, judgment of Paris, that whole story, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and make great wine in Argentina with the vision of standing with the best of the world. And that's still the vision at our winery to make Argentine wines that can be up there with the best wines of the world. And my job is managing director. That's my official job. I founded the Catena Institute of Wine in 1995, where we do research with the goal of elevating Argentine wine. Is that similar to what UC Davis does in the U.S.? So, well, UC Davis, you know, is this yeah. incredibly Incredible, prestigious yeah, university. I'm actually on the board oh. Uh, oh, wow. of uh, UC yeah. Davis Winemaking School. It's an amazing place. You know, they've uh, mentored, you know, the best winemakers in the world, not only in the U.S., but People from all over the world have studied UC Davis. The director of our institute, Fernando Usema, went to UC Davis. Okay. And they do great research, but they're university. They do more research than we do. We are a winery. We're doing research in Argentina, and we've actually collaborated with UC Davis. For example, on a terroir study where we define the characteristics of Malbec from 24 different parcels in Argentina. And we also did another study where we compared Malbec in California with Malbec in Argentina. We did that with UC Davis. So yes, we do research, but our research is a little bit more hands-on maybe than what they do at UC Davis. Okay, so let's delve into your background a little bit. How do you go, you started out, you wanted to be a medical doctor? How did that Uh, work and then the transition? Well, so I I actually am a medical doctor and uh, I practiced for 25 to 30 years. And where did you go to college first? So I went to Harvard undergrad and um, then Stanford for med school, then Harvard UCLA for emergency medicine. She's kind of modest, by uh, the way. Residency. Well, I don't know. I, I was very studious. I like yeah. to study. Okay. So uh, I went to medical school, was planning to be a doctor only, and then my father actually asked me to go represent the winery at a tasting in New York. 
because he said I was the only person who spoke English well. We had been chosen as a winery to be at the New York Wine Experience, this very prestigious wine yes. spectator thing. And so I went there, and then I realized that nobody knew Argentina. This was in the mid-90s. And I said, oh, my poor dad, he's never going to make it with this dream of putting Argentine wine on the map. And so I called him, and I said, okay, papa, I'm going to be a doctor. That's my life fashion, but I'm going to help you a little bit. And then, you know, the rest is history. I was helping him a little bit, and then a little more, and then a little more. And that's how family businesses are. But the cool thing is I love making wine. And what we're doing in Argentina, making wine at extreme high altitude, preserving genetic diverse, uh, genetically diverse Malbec that otherwise would be lost to the world, preserving the ecosystem of Mendoza, all the work we're doing on sustainability, that I actually feel that I help more people today making wine, not just because we drink wine yes. makes us happy course, in moderation, yeah. mm -hmm. of course, yeah. mm -hmm. but also because so many people live from wine in my region. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just when you buy a bottle of wine, you're not just enjoying a bottle of wine, you're also supporting the lives of so many people mm -hmm. and helping maintain a rural lifestyle in Argentina, which could be lost. You know, there's a big threat to rural life everywhere because mm -hmm. a lot of the young people, they just want to go move to the city but I'm trying to make living in a farm sexy. Oh, cool. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so do you so is your dad was he a farmer basically? Yeah. So my dad's still alive. He's yeah. about 82 years Nicholas. old. Nicholas. Yeah, Nicholas. He mm -hmm. actually has a PhD in economics. Wow. He's wow. uh he also likes From to study. From the states or in So he um he went to school in Argentina and then he went to grad school at Columbia University oh, in wow. New York. So he loves economics. Mm -hmm loves making wine is you know really determined to show the world what Argentina can produce mm -hmm. and that we can make Grand Cru's and Grand Vin and wines that can be tasted blind and stand out and that's really his, his life goal and he is not planning to retire Okay. and sure. I don't want him to retire yeah. <laughs> you know I love working with him we have so much fun and and it's it's great because you know, we've changed the history of Argentine wine through, especially my father, through these wines that he released to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and Europe and the world in the 19, early 1990s when nobody knew Argentina could produce these kind of really age-worthy complex wines. And that's where I want to go with the, uh, with the conversation because Malbec, I think, is because when it comes from the French, it's a totally different grape that's grown in altitude in Argentina. So... How did Argentina figure out that this great, great varietal, which I think it's called the black grape in Cahors, yes. can be, can flourish in Argentina? Yeah, so Malbec, which was called the black wine in the Middle Ages, in Cahors, which is the place in France where they're known Loire, for Malbec. Yeah. yeah. So, um, well, the, the Loire, they make Malbec, but also in Cahors, which is near closer to Bordeaux. But mm -hmm. both are... Both places are, are good for Malbec, but in France it's called Cote. 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 C-O-T. C-O-T, yeah. yes. Yeah. And it is also Malbec, but it's more productive, higher yielding, less refined. And what we have in Argentina is what used to be planted in France in the 19th century before phylloxera. The cuttings. Came the cuttings, from. yeah. Okay. So we have all these really diverse cuttings, what I consider more refined Malbec in Argentina. And, you know, it is different. And at high altitude, it produces a wine that's more floral, more elegant. On the other hand, I think that Cowers is making some really great Malbecs oh, yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. 
and it's it's fun to have Malbec from both places. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the the world is a big enough place for Malbec from Argentina and from France. But but France is the motherland. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the fermentation or the vinification of Malbec. Yeah. Um, because I've, I've been drinking Malbec for quite a while, for maybe 15, 20 years. But I, I think that you guys are finally getting it right as far as how to treat it with the French oak treatment, as far as not over oak it, but just enough to make it elegant. Was that a process yeah. you guys had so, to go through? Yeah, so I think there was a time in the 2000s where people were saying, oh, the Malbec has so much oak and people are using too much oak and they're heavy and high alcohol. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's been kind of two changes. One of them is that most of our vineyards are now in cooler climates. So we plant vineyards in places as cool as Burgundy for Malbec, which is a Bordeaux variety, which is a warmer region. Mm -hmm. So the cooler climate gives you more elegant wines, better acidity, and that's one reason why you're finding more elegant wines from Mendoza. The other reason is that I do think people got a little too excited about the oak in the early 2000s, and we've kind of learned how to use oak better, and Malbec soaks up oak. So it would be like a Pinot Noir. You put too much oak in that, it's going to turn into a bunch of vanilla. So you have to be a little more careful. So I, I do think that Argentines have learned to use uh, oak more judiciously but also it's that it comes from this cool climate and I think that the Malbecs we're making right now are so age-worthy just as age-worthy as a great Cabernet, a great Merlot, a great Bordeaux blend and I'm really excited about these wines yeah. I am too I, I love the wines from Katana. Uh, talk to us also because you don't only do great Malbec you do great uh, Chardonnay and what's where did the concept came that you can make the best Chardonnay in Argentina also? Yeah, so my father and I love to drink Chardonnay. We drank a lot of Chardonnay in the U.S., uh, in Burgundy. And so when we were planting these really special Malbec vineyards, we also planted Chardonnay at extreme high altitude. And Chardonnay needs a very cool climate. Mm -hmm. And so in these vineyards, we were finding that Chardonnay in one little parcel here that was a few feet away from another one tasted totally different. So we started vinifying them separately and studying the soils. And we found that the limestone soils had a very different flavor than the gravel soils. Mm -hmm. And so we called them white stones and white bones. Oh, because that's, 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 as a doctor, that was, the, yeah. the, the limestone to uh, me looks like bones. And oh, it does okay. have some remnants of the ocean, mm -hmm. some fossils. So we have these wines called White Bones and White Stones from the Adriana Vineyard Chardonnay and they've become quite famous and uh, but still most people think of Argentina and Malbec but thank you for asking me because I think there there is more than Malbec in Argentina. Yeah. Okay so just real quickly a couple more questions. Uh, talk about your dad relationship with Mandavi a little bit and how yeah. that kind of formed the whole Katana brand yeah. in a sense. Yeah so when my father went to California in the early 80s, he decided to be, he wanted to be a, a visiting scholar at Berkeley. It was kind of a crazy time in Argentina. There was a military government. It was the, what we call the Malvinas War, which you call in here the Falklands War. Oh, okay, well, yeah. It was a, it really a, a dark time. So he, he came to the U.S. and he actually met Mr. Robert Mandavi and he heard that he wanted to make 
California wines that could stand with the best of France and that could compete blind. Mm -hmm. And he heard about the judgment of Paris. So he said, hey, if Mr. Mondavi can do it, I'm going to try and do it in Argentina. And when people ask me, what's your goal? I said, I'm, I'm doing the same thing my father <laughs> was okay. doing, you know, which is put Argentina on the map. And actually, one thing that I didn't say about Malbec you were asking me about stylistically. Mm -hmm. I think one of the big breakthroughs that we had was that we used to make Malbec like Cabernet Sauvignon, which you do these long macerations. So you've got the skins and the juice and the, mm -hmm. the sugar's turning into alcohol and it's soaking up all the tannins. And actually, Malbec in some ways is more like Pinot Noir. It's a lot darker, mm -hmm. but it has high acidity yeah. and smooth tannins. So yeah, the exactly. reason they yeah. used to blend it with Cabernet in Bordeaux was because the smooth tannins of the Malbec would go with the hard tannins of the Cabernet. So actually, with the Malbec, you need to preserve the fruit mm -hmm. and you don't want to do these long macerations because that's to soften the tannins. You don't need to soften the tannins. So yeah, Exactly. So actually, I, I never think thought that about one, that, one but of, you're, you're, really, you're correct on that. Yeah. Yes. And so I think that you were asking, you know, why is Malbec so different now, so much more elegant, and I think some of it has to do with the winemaking going more in the Pinot Noir direction than in the Cabernet Sauvignon direction. Okay, last question. As, as your dad aged, and you're becoming the face of the winery, in the next five or ten years, what do you see, Katana, what's, what's the path in, in your vision? You know, I have to say that I have a sort of European vision about my role in time. I, I am just one little piece of the chain. And you know, my name, Catena, means chain in Italian. Oh, I did not know yes. that. Okay. Yes. So I feel like I am the one little part of the chain, mm -hmm. like one out of thousands. And okay. this is the moment in time where I have to help keep these vineyards alive, keep the the bees and the microbes in the soil and the vines and the people who work in these vineyards living in a good way making this beautiful wine and my role is to preserve mm -hmm. uh, to elevate and uh, to make sure that nothing gets messed up and we've got this horrible climate change thing yeah, going exactly. so I've got a so, lot of so, work to uh, do global warming <laughs> and global climate that's something that's real it's absolutely real and if you look at the last 50 years in Argentina, it has gotten warmer. That doesn't mean that we've had some really cold years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people say, oh, we had a cold year. It's no climate change. No, it, climate change is a trend. Uh, and there's definitely more frost. Hail is something we have in Argentina. I don't know if there's more or less, but there's plenty and we yeah. don't like it. And I think that, yeah, climate change is absolutely real. And there are things we can do about it. And we're trying to do things in Argentina to collaborate with other parts of the world who are trying to mitigate climate change. Well, maybe we'll have that another conversation yes. for another day. Thank you yes. very much. Laura? Laura. Laura. Laura, Laura from Contena Zapata. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you. They make really good juice. Okay. Thank okay, you. There we go. Enjoy that. Thank you for being there. It was like, we have an audience. <laughs> it was good to hear. I've seen the stacks of all the like clean glasses ready for